Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today, we have our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. We have our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. We also have Echo reporter, Christian Walsh. Only one place to start, and that's last night's derby at Goodison, James. For about 93 minutes, it looked like it was going to be uh, one of those nights, and it ended up being one of those nights. <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. It, was it, it wasn't a great game, was it, by any stretch of the imagination, but... I don't think that counts for an awful lot when, when there's a, a twist in the tail like that. I think um, Liverpool were, were certainly the better side second half after having been way, way off the pace for most of the, the opening 45 minutes. Um, but I think Everton ran out of gas and you could sense the anxiety around Goodison as, as Liverpool had that final push. And you know I think you've got to give Klopp a lot of credit for the, for the subs that he made. I think those fresh legs obviously made a big difference. Um, Sturridge has that ability to create something out of nothing, and, and, he, and he did that, and credit to Mane for the poacher's instincts that enabled him to get there first and, and tuck away the loose ball, and yeah, it was, you know, when you win a derby like that, I, I don't think you can beat it, I think it's probably more satisfying than, than winning by three or four. I mean, Christian, you were there, I mean, you were quite critical of Liverpool in the first half, but do you think it was a deserved, deserved victory in the end? Yeah, I do. I, 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 was, I was critical of them in the first half, um, but someone on Twitter has also related to me the, to the possibility, and you know, it, it proved quite a salient point that this could have, might have been rope dope tactics uh, from Liverpool in the sense that they were happy to let Everton press and pressure them in the first half. They basically, as Klopp intimated at the, uh, in the pre-match press uh, pre-match press conference. Uh, to just basically stay in the fight, keep it nil-nil, keep it tight, don't lose the heads and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then come the second half, they were, they were ready for it. And, you know, if that was, you know, you don't want to overstate his tactics too much. You know, it, it might have just been a case of they were a bit startled and uh, surprised by the, the intensity of Everton. But if it was Klopp's design, then it was a, a bit of a masterstroke because come 60, 65 minutes, seven were, were punched out. The only chance they really looked like scoring from were, was uh, a defensive mistake, which was definitely not forthcoming yesterday, um, or, or a set piece. And Liverpool just got stronger and stronger as the as the game went on. You know, it's, it's funny if they don't score, you go, well, it was a bit of a risk to do that, and they've only got a point when they should have got three. But it, it paid off in the most spectacular fashion possible. I mean, Andy, you were watching it, and you were getting quite agitated and profane during the first half if you don't mind me saying so my mother might be listening to this I certainly was <laughs> not said, profane you were a little bit profane <laughs> at least got halfway through certain words but you know, what, why do you think Liverpool were so slow out of the blocks in the first half because it just seemed very unlike them it certainly is when, certainly, when you certainly when you consider what the manager has been saying before at. yeah but you've got to play what's in front of you and this is where I slightly disagree with Christian um, because I don't think there was anything uh, tactical uh, particularly about our approach in the, uh, Liverpool's approach in the first half because um, I think Klopp described it as wild football from from Everton and it was it was this you know this almost whirling dervish of a team who were just really getting stuck in and Liverpool I think genuinely struggled to cope with it but eventually got hold of it and by the end of the first half I think Liverpool had sort of rested the the initiative and um, you know. Credit to Everton because I thought they they came out and were you know, better team for a good half an hour, weren't they? And but they didn't. They did that 
worst thing you can do in football, and that's not score when you're on top almost. And uh, they they didn't, they, not only didn't they score, they didn't really look like scoring, did they? Uh, I mean, try, try and find a picture of Simon Mignolet, uh in from any of the photographers last night. You'll be doing well because there aren't any there aren't any pictures of him because he wasn't involved. And you can only think in the entire game, you can only think Funes Mori's header, which he should have done better with, obviously, and second half, the Ashley Williams header, which just loops into... So those are the only two chances that Everton created. And um, uh, Liverpool, you know, weren't much better. Incredible on match of the day last night, which I watched later on when I got home. And the first moment of highlight they came had 22 minutes on it. And that was Wijnaldum shot that went about 30 yards yeah. wide. So that just shows you how bad a game in terms of... Um, quality chances being created. They tend, to, they tend to be like this, though, don't they, Derby's? I mean, we all remember the three all and football. What was the last Derby? At Goodison? One all, wasn't one it? All, Brendan yeah. Rodgers. The one all, that's it. And the, the last. That was a terrible game. Yeah, that wasn't particularly great. And there's been many nil nils in this fixture over the last five yeah. or six years. But it also felt like a 1980s Derby, didn't it? When it was just, you know, it was you know, terrible. You always knew there was maybe going to be one goal in it. You just hoped your side would, would get it. And. and um, Listen, Liverpool fans won't give a jot for the quality of the game today. They really won't. Um, I mean, Neil Jones said it brilliantly in his his echo talking point uh, this morning. You know, ninety um, fourth minute, Christmas week, Goodison Park winner. You know, you know, tick every box you can. And you know, we saw Liverpool fans today, obviously celebrating. Um, you know, copiously, and, and that's what a derby win will do for uh, you. I think it was a reminder of what a derby. Not necessarily should be like, but has been like for, for so many years. And should be, well, should to be, certain extent, yeah, should be I, like I, yeah. in terms of. I, I think I think both Liverpool and Everton, when they had Martinez and Rodgers, sort of were, were spoilt in a weird way because neither of them sort of forewent the their philosophy for the derby. Didn't sort of say, well, forget about playing the the, the football and the style of, of play we 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 impose. We, we we'll just keep on doing that. So they were quite pleased on the eye, and you know that played into Liverpool's hands as well at times. Um, especially with the two four nil wins at Anfield. I'm gonna say Everton didn't win one though. Did no, no, time, well, so. exactly. But this was a lot more like the, the the blood and thunder of you know Joe Royal and and, and Roy Evans and, and and that sort of thing. And it's because you've got, I think, I think you know Ronald Koeman's basically playing that sort of football anyway with Everton at the moment because he's he's making do with what he's got. And I think you know I was looking back at Jurgen Klopp's derby records. They've always been tight, tense affairs, um, and he he just instills that sort of helter skelter style as well, especially in in a game where. You know, it's it's hard to keep you cool. I think Liverpool kept the crew quite well, really, especially Jordan Henderson when he got uh, nudged over, shall we say, by Ross Barkley. Which you know, me and Christian also cover cover Everton, and I think it's fair to say, Christian, it's not exactly a Ross Barkley-esque tackle, was it? It wasn't. It was just really quickly. I found Barkley's performance strange. I thought he started really well. But he just seemed to be doing a, an impression of Stephen Gerrard, like, circa 1999. He, he was just running around an awful lot. He was running lot, around yeah. a lot. He was going into tackles, and I think that was the moment with the Henderson thing where it yeah. all boiled over, basically. But, but I was going to say, James, that Jordan Henderson, he, re- he reacted, well, he got wrapped on the pitch by out, saying ouch because he was in a lot of pain, but afterwards he kind of got up, got on with it. And yeah, then he afterwards did when, he did, the inter- it, when yeah. he did the interview as well, he was quite... That- didn't you think that Christian mentioned Barkley was doing a Stephen Gerrard impression at run round everywhere? Jordan Henderson's interview was pure Stephen Gerrard, wasn't it? He's 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 learned from Gerrard over the years that 
you know, if you're a Liverpool captain, you don't come off the pitch and start crying bleating about, and uh, bleating about, about tackles. It was absolutely, I mean, I think they said on Sky after Cara, you know, said what a superb interview it was. And, and I think that's exactly what you'd want. And the hope and expectation, I'm pretty sure reality would have been that if it had ended nil-nil, it would have been exactly the same from uh, from Jordan Henderson. The, 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 the the danger would have been for Ross Barkley if he imagine he puts Jordan Henderson out for the for the season. Now some you know you might say, Oh well, you know, Everton player, you know, tackles Liverpool player and puts him out that there's a certain sense of you know, oh, you know, job done. But I think most people would would understand that for Ross Barkley as a young player coming through, especially with the England setup as well and their 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 you know, their their mates and friends that if he puts Jordan Henderson out for the season with that sort of a tackle, then you know that stays with you for a bit. And we saw it's the sort of thing that I think Gerard realised when he used to do the odd tackle like that. And you know you need someone to sort of come out and sort of protect you. I think Henderson did a great job for Barkley. I was going to say I think Klopp summed it up perfectly afterwards when he said they were both lucky, you know, because Mike Dean got that one badly wrong. I thought Mike Dean in general. Did it did all right? You know he wasn't he wasn't kind of central to the game. He didn't ruin it. He, you know he let it flow when he could do. Um, but you know that's a straight red card offence. He, he's he's got that one badly wrong. Um, but it was it was just you know when it happened you thought that's a serious injury because you know the, the force of the impact on his ankle like that. Um, but yeah, thankfully he was able to continue and and it was actually from then onwards that Liverpool actually finally got some got some moment, momentum going in the game. Do you think Lovren was a bit lucky not to get sent off for a second yellow for his part in what happened afterwards? Or do you feel no, as though we shouldn't, really. we shouldn't really be punished for basically no, sticking I, up for his teammates? Yeah, and I think also a lot of that was Seamus Coleman came charging over, didn't he? And was you know he was the instigator behind the kind of the handbags that followed the initial the initial challenge. So no, I wouldn't, wouldn't go along with that. I did. I must admit, I did like Lovren's first yellow. I thought that was like a, a proper best solid yellow, yellow, yellow card. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think was, Lovren was impressed with himself yeah, actually when he saw him walking away you know, from him. He he just got the timing wrong, hadn't he? And Lukaku had, 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 had got away from him on halfway, and he just thought, "I've got to take him out here," and and he did that very well. Um, but I've got to say, Lovren, uh, you know, over the course of the game, was was one of Liverpool's best players. I thought the only one who probably did more than him was was Clavin alongside him. Which you know, when I think a lot of Liverpool fans would have looked at that team sheet, and when obviously the news emerged a couple of hours beforehand that. There'd be no Joel Matip, you know. I'm sure a few hearts sank, and people thought, you know, how, how are those two going to be able to deal with Lukaku? But they, they did brilliantly, and you know, Clavin, especially in the first half, you know, not so much second half because Lukaku was isolated and and quite lazy at times. But certainly first half, when Everton were on top, um, you know, there was that one time when I think Lennon put a low cross in, and it, Lukaku was a big favourite to get there first, and and he's you know he's aware of the danger and has got a cross and. And dealt with it, and um, yeah, I thought Liverpool. I thought Clavin was Liverpool's best player on the night. Christian De Field, perhaps Lukaku got a bit disheartened, partly at the lack of service he was getting, but also because he wasn't getting much change out of Clavin and, and Lovren. Yeah, because he started at 100 miles an hour. He was pressing more than I've seen him press this season, Lukaku. And I think, as you say, it was. I think both Clavin and Lovren set the tone really, really early. Both, both with the distribution, both of them launched the ball forwards as quick as they could towards Origi within the first thirty seconds. And um, but yeah, they, they, neither of them give any change. They've they got a nice little balance, those two, haven't they? It's 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 almost. I mean, I 
You suggesting that Matip shouldn't come back into the team? No, yeah. absolutely, building up absolutely not. Uh, free at the back would be a nice. Uh, no, you know, um, you know, Lucas and Claban for me are probably equals in terms of centre backs in general. Um, that's probably a big shout after the last time you remember what Lucas did on the pitch at Bournemouth and how Claban just had a man the match performance against Everton. But I think you know I don't think there's much to choose between them. But it's it's all about the balance. And for me, the Lucas Slovenian partnership didn't really work at Bournemouth, but. What you've seen at both at Middlesbrough and Everton now is that the Clavan's got that sort of Matip like ability about him that he can bring the ball out of the fence. Um, he's strong in the challenge. He, he wins his aerial duels, and he's he's just generally sort of a, a bit a, not as calm as Matip, but he can he can bring a calming presence. What I like about Clavan is that he, he does have a little bit of there's always a bit of luck about what he does as well. You know, the, a couple, How do you mean? Couple, a couple, a couple of tackles. I think there was a tackle midway through the second half where Lukaku was threatened to get in, and he just sort of goes two-footed towards the ball, and it could go badly wrong in terms of, you know. I think that's technically a foul. If he's <laughs> gone two-footed anyway. Well, he's won the ball, and he's, he's he's not taking the man. He's won the ball cleanly, but you know, Lukaku. It just seems that he just intercepts at the right time, just the right time, just when you think he's sort of against the ropes, he comes back and and. and Makes you look foolish. Now, Liverpool's terrible defence, if we are led to believe they have a terrible defence, has now kept five clean sheets in seven games, Andy. And it's one, as, as uh, Christian pointed out in one of his pieces from after the game, that it's a defence that hasn't been settled because obviously there's no Matty, there's the goalkeeper's obviously changed. We don't want to talk about that anymore. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean and it's, they've it's, had it's, some tough, tough away games. Okay, Middlesbrough aren't, don't score many, so you could maybe justify a clean sheet. Going to Goodison Park. Is always difficult. Southampton, um, yeah, Southampton, where you, you know, as well as defending, really, you know, they they were the only team who looked likely to win that game, and I think there was one chance for Charlie Austin in that game with a header, and that that was about it. And yeah, the, I think most people's general problem with the Liverpool defence has been the high ratio of chances created by the opposition to goals scored, and a lot of that then. So a lot of focus on the goalkeeper uh, position early on. When Liverpool were conceding goals early on in the season, but the opposition wasn't creating this raft of chances, and w- this is why Klopp was defending the, def- the defence a bit later on, saying, you know, the opposition aren't creating very, very many chances against us, and, and so he was relatively happy about it. I still think there has to be whatever that stat says. Five, you know, Liverpool have still conceded. Too many goals compared to you know other 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 teams at the top, and they'll want to perhaps if you know if we get to a more settled situation um, that they 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 can become that bit more miserly. But to a certain extent, the way Klopp's team plays, you saw Slaven Bilic talk about this after the game at Anfield. Uh, you know he described Liverpool's setup as very risky, and there is a certain um, emphasis. Uh, which we really enjoy watching in terms of getting players into the opposition box, and that leaves your protection somewhat stretched at times. So you mentioned then about Liverpool's approach being risky, and I'll take us back to what Christian said earlier on. Then do you think that perhaps Liverpool consciously made a decision not to be quite as risky in the first half, even if Everton were pressing them around a bit more? I, I, think, I don't think there was any... Ma- I think they knew what they were likely to face, so I'm sure plenty of the chat before the game was these are going to start at 100 miles an hour, this is what's going to happen, they're going to be in our faces, so how do we deal with it? And at first, I think Liverpool's approach, as Christian said, was to um, take no chances at the back, launch long balls, and hopefully pick up second balls and play in their 
half a bit, but it wasn't really happening. And you have to look at potentially in terms of what changed the game. Well, Liverpool getting to grips with it, um, Liverpool getting the ball down and, and and passing it, and therefore making Everton move. Klopp said after the game, I said to the lads, you know, let them run. You know, let them run. We all know the ball moves faster, and you know he he was intent on letting Everton almost burn themselves out, uh, as Christian mentioned, sort of a little bit rope dopey But um, there was also a significant problem for Everton in terms of their player who was doing that best, McCarthy, mm. uh, ended up having to go off, and Gareth Barry for all is. What was it? Seven hundred fiftieth, I think, senior appearance yesterday. Where for and you don't survive that long without being a good player. And loads of Edsonians, you know, rave about his displays for them. But that's not the type of player he is. And you could instantly tell that that pressure that was brought to bear on Liverpool wasn't there, or certainly wasn't as effective anymore. Because it has to be sort of all as one. Do you know what I mean? And um, so therefore, Liverpool got more time to play their football and started to move the ball better and that's when they started to take control of the game. I mean, James, have you been slightly impressed or encouraged by the manner in which Liverpool have won the last two games? Because they were never going to go around knocking teams over five and six every single week as they were maybe in September and October. And it's around this time, I think Jurgen Klopp said last week that it's where you've got to keep picking up the points now. You just have to keep getting yeah. it no matter what. I think that, yeah, that, that has been really satisfying. I think on the, you know, on the back of what happened at Bournemouth and then, you know, to to carelessly slip up again at home to West Ham, you know, you, you wanted to see, you know, a, a bit more resolve and, and and see them be more difficult to break down, and we've certainly seen that at Middlesbrough and at Everton. You know, I, th- I think maybe cautious is probably the wrong word, but I think I, th- I think Klopp has tweaked things slightly to to make Liverpool more teams basically more difficult for them to get at them. You know, he always talks about either being uh, option an optional protection, and I think he felt. Certainly, at home to West Ham and at Bournemouth, that you know there were there were too many options and probably not enough protection. Um, and you know, and I think I think that has changed. You know, I think at Middlesbrough last week, it, it was similar to the Mosa Derby in some ways. In the you know first half, you know w- wasn't great. They had to weather a bit of a storm for Middlesbrough, but they you know they were they were tight, they were compact, didn't take too many risks, and then and then got stronger and stronger as the game went on. They Liverpool played better at Middlesbrough than they did at Everton, but there was. You know, even even when Everton were on top, you know, afterwards you're thinking you know, Liverpool were really poor first half, and Mignolet didn't have a save to make. Um, you know, they they which, did protect him well. I can say which is the complete opposite to earlier this season, where you'd say Liverpool were playing brilliant, and now all of them conceded a goal. Yeah, yeah, which is, and I think that's so important in that going like going forward, if they're going to maintain the challenge at the top end of the table, you know, to to to, to produce back to back away clean sheets like that. Is a is a huge plus, and you know, it's great for Mignolet's confidence as well. The, you know, for, to come back into the team and and enjoy that kind of start, and you know, especially for, as, as well for Liverpool to do it without Matip having you know all the talk earlier on the season was that you know he was the defensive linchpin, and that you know they couldn't defend properly without him. But they've proved now they they can. Um, you know, I, I think the only frustrate like the one frustration last night was probably at the top end of the field that for so long Liverpool didn't really make an impression. I thought. You know, I was I was I was really hoping for big things from Origi after his recent form, but it just didn't happen for him. I think you know he's you can't expect too much. He's you know, he's 21 years of age, and it was a tough night for him. And you know he barely got a kick really. You know Funes Mori and Ashley Williams did, did a job on him. Um, but you know the, the pleasing thing was in that second half, Mane, his his influence on the contest grew. Firmino came alive a little bit. You know, still not. 
not great, but he, you know, he had some, he had some decent moments. And um, you know, in the end, you know, I think, I think the other thing that kind of struck me was was Liverpool's fitness levels as well, which obviously was something that Klopp touched upon, you know, a lot back in the summer. I remember being on the tour and he was, you know, I think it was, I think it was Pep Linders during a session over there, kind of shouted out at one point, you know, if we win the fitness, we win everything. And it was, you know, the players were talking about how just how tough it was two, three sessions every day. And I think on a night like last night, you saw the benefits of that because, you know, Everton had completely run out of gas at a time where Liverpool were coming on strong. Now, Christian, there's... Sorry, Andy. No, I was just going to say about Firmino. It was interesting because, you know, there was quite a difference of opinion, I think, in terms of how Firmino played last night, which is, I think, symptomatic of the type of player he is because he... he, I know exactly what you're going to say. He looks like he does nothing and... but then when you write down how he's what he's done, and oh, it's like, oh, he could have scored a trick Sometimes he's done yeah. nothing, and he's got a goal and three assists, and you go, yeah, he stank the place, but he had a goal and three. Do you know what I mean? And last night was the same. He kept. He did kept, a lot wrong. Like he he did loads of things wrong, and then you look, he's nearly scored a worldy volley, and the keeper who was on site has had to make a very, very good save to keep him out. And then he's almost scored with that... Um, that's, a, is it, that, that's another tr- what appears to be a, a training ground move. That that move where they play the ball out to Milner, and when you're in that Milner position in the in the left fullback role, um, he, he he moves his body shape and such and hits it with his right foot down the down that channel. And normally, if you've got a left foot at fullback there, uh, if you play that ball down the line, the natural angle takes it t- towards the in, uh, the outside centre back. But if you play it with the, your right foot, it sort of moves away and that and. Um, Firmino got got in behind there, and we saw it uh, was it against Leicester, uh, but more on the ground where Firmino cut in uh, and and scored. Um, it's the same ball with Milner's right foot, and Firmino's in again where he should score. So he's almost scored twice. Um, interestingly, when Mane gets the rebound for uh, from Sturridge's shot off the post, if 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 it goes the other way that rebound, Firmino's there to tap it in, and he, he's right in there. So. You know, those three opportunities where he could have been on the score sheet and yet he's had a relatively poor game for him. And that's, I think, why Klopp said afterwards, he's so important for us, uh, not just in terms of the press uh, and, and the work rate and sort of turning up everywhere. And we'll have more from Andy Kelly's technical handbook next week as well. Um, Christian, I was going to say that... <laughs> very rare. I know, yes. Yeah, yeah, great insight, great insight. Um, one player who we've spoken about a lot this season partly because we couldn't quite work out what he's meant to be doing or where he's meant to be playing, and then suddenly we got one over by him, but now he seems to be doing something else again completely, is Ginny Wijnaldum. Yeah. <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> I've, I, do you know what? I, I think he was a bit understated yesterday. In saying, I think he's been understated how, how good he was. Um, you know, By no means man of the match, but he, he's such an important part of this Liverpool team, especially in those sorts of games. He offers the centre-backs a pass every, every time. He, he, every time Clavan or Lovren got on the ball, he just he just drift and 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 get you know sort of off of the pass, and he's 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 really good. He's got good tight close control. Great pass for the goal. Great, Great pass. Really good pass for the goal. Just pops it off. You know, yeah, he does. He lacks maybe that little bit of pace. He maybe lacks that little bit of thrust. And he maybe makes up for it in his strength, though, doesn't he? He, he, did, he never gets knocked off the ball. Absolutely unless, unless he's falling how, out. How was this man a number 10 at Newcastle? And none of us knew that he hadn't. I saw, if you said Ginny Wijnaldum, I thought probably a little bit soft. Yeah. But then you look honest. at the size yeah. of it. You look at the size of him and you, you suddenly realise, well, surely that's, that's, why that's the way he should be anyway. I mean, he should be scoring more goals. Let's not... 
you know, pretend about that. He, he's only got one so far for Liverpool, and he gets in good positions. Um, and he, he should do better, really. Um, but Norwich got relegated, so he doesn't have anyone to score against. That is true. Uh, that's why that's why Liverpool saw Suarez. <laughs> um, but he, he's, he, he, I say what he did really well last night was. Again, going back to Firmino, I didn't think Firmino was tracking back that well on the left-hand side, but he was filling that gap and helping out Milner a lot. Um, and um, Likewise, on the right of Mane, I mean, Mane was a bit a bit better tracking back, but he'd be helping out Klein as well. He's just this... He, he's, he's like a metronomic player, isn't he? He, he? he just keeps ticking along, and he's not going to do anything sensational. He's not going to do anything flash, but what he does do is is, is absolutely vital to this team, and... and if you would have told me at the start of the season we'd be saying about Gini Wijnaldum, I would have, I would have laughed at you. That, that, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. And I also think he's a player, in that type of role that he's playing at, the more comfortable and the better understanding he has of where he should be and what, what he needs to do in the system, he's just going to get better and better, you'd think. And uh, the only thing that worries me about him is, is maybe he might, you know, he puts himself, his body on the line at times and I just wonder whether he'll he'll cop for one at some stage and, and be out for a while, but, you know, touch wood, uh, that doesn't happen. But um, you would hope the goals then would start to come because he does get in some great positions. James, would you have laughed at Christian? Had he mentioned this about Wijnaldum at the start of the season, that he could be a midfield enforcer? Yeah, I would have done, to be honest, just because from from the games I'd seen him play for Newcastle, you know, I'd, I'd seen him play as part of a, a front three and, you know, I thought that was where, where the clock saw him saw him featuring and you know very much given a license to attack and not not given any particular real defensive responsibilities but yeah i think he's he's he's, a, he's quite you know the, the role that he's embraced is a very selfless role isn't it it's not you know he he isn't he doesn't have that you know that that license to to to, to go forward and just do whatever he wants quite often when the the fullbacks are bombing on he's the one that that drops in and and fills the gap and you know, it's 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 very much a disciplined team role, you know, a vital cog in the in the engine that link, you know, helping that link between defence and and attack. And you know, I, I actually didn't think he was that great last night, to be honest. But then, so few players were. It was a it was a poor game. Um, but yeah, in general, uh, I've I've really liked Wijnaldum. And you know, I remember, I think it was on the tour when Klopp talked about him being a complete footballer and saying that. He said, you know, one of the big attractions for him of signing him was he said, you know, this is a player that can play in five or six different positions, and um, you know, I, and it, you know, we, we've certainly, you know, that 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 is, we've we've seen that now because, you know, I think you know later on in the season maybe maybe he will be needed a bit further forward, but for the time being he's uh, you know he, he's doing a doing a really good job for the team. One player we haven't mentioned yet is somebody who came off the bench and made the difference. He was only on for something like 14, 15, 16 minutes. That's Daniel Sturridge. And we've spoke, again, he's another one we've spoken about an awful lot this season. But, you know, he, he, he does give the team something different. He's somebody who's going to come on and have a shot. He doesn't necessarily yeah. fit into perhaps the team plan that, that Klopp wants. Yeah. But by offering something different, by being a little bit more selfish than perhaps his teammates. Yeah. Then... I think it's what he does to opposing teams, isn't it, as well? Because I think you could, you could sense it. You know, I could hear, you could hear a few voices round by us in Goodison last night where... You know, that that kind of feeling of dread of oh here we go you know after what especially what he'd done there when he came off the bench a couple of years ago he's he's a match winner isn't he and you know he has that ability to to turn a game and make the difference and you know it was you know I wasn't surprised that Klopp found room for him on the bench because you know I think he'd only been back in full training for two days but you know you you don't need you don't need too many minutes on the pitch for Daniel Sturridge for him to 
make an impact, and he and he showed that because you know the goal came out of absolutely nothing. You know, Klein's played it into his feet, what twenty five yards out. Baines in pretty close proximity, and you know darted away from him. You know, not, not the not the sweetest strike he's ever hit, but it was it was it was it was well directed. And you know uh, you know he, although obviously Mane gets all the plaudits for for tucking it away, it was it was Sturridge who, who created that that opening, and you know he's going to be a huge boost to have him back, especially at a time when obviously within the next couple of weeks we're going to lose Mane to the Africa Cup of Nations obviously hoping to see Coutinho back but you can't expect too much from him too soon after a month out um, but yeah it's, it's a, it was a big plus to have Daniel Sturridge back in a, back in a Liverpool shirt So Christian do you see Daniel Sturridge then playing a bigger part over the coming weeks as James said there's going to be no Mane and there's, there's the, the, the festive schedule we all know about that and then there's obviously the Cup games will start again in January I think he has to but I think it is a timely uh, timely reminder yesterday of of what storage can bring, he's. Uh, I didn't think he was actually very good when he came on. To be honest, obviously, <laughs> it's a recurring theme. Here. We bring up the player and say, "Yeah, he was crap, really." Um, and yeah, you know, I, I would have expected that uh, from both him and Chan. You know, they've been on for a little bit of a while, and as Barry found out to his to his chagrin, it, it was a hard game to sort of come into and, and pick up the tempo of easily. But he makes a difference, and that, and that and that's that's what he can do. Uh, and I think since Coutinho has been out. Even though Liverpool have, they haven't done badly by any stretch of the imagination, but they just lost that the, the game winner. If you see what mm. I mean, they lost someone who can do something out of nothing. Um, you know, Firmino threatens at times yesterday. Obviously, Mane popped up with the goal, and but he's been a little bit inconsistent in general. Lallana is, you know, a superb player, um, and he's 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 become the most important one for me in, in Casino's absence. But again, you wouldn't necessarily say he's a game changer. He's just someone who is so consistently just keeps Liverpool ticking along. What Sturridge brings is that possibility of shifting it onto his left foot and popping one into the, into the top corner. I think the irony is that we've seen Sturridge on a number of times get into that position that he was last night, and he leans back and you know he's he you're obsessed the, with this. You mentioned goes, this yeah, goes, and goes and goes for the top corner. Um, was it the which game was it where he came on it the bar twenty times the Watford Watford, Watford. He, he hit the bar with a, a similar sort from a similar sort of position and if anything it, it, it's it's worked out well for Liverpool that he didn't really strike it cleanly because you feel if, he, if he'd have been on from the start he'd have probably passed in that position yeah possibly um, well, that, that that's in, that that would suggest Sturridge passes he does he does he does that's very harsh I, I see what you mean I think he, he was just there to make an impression I think. It, you know, I feel, I feel sorry for Sturridge. He, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of stick in terms of his injury record and whatnot. But you know, let's let's remember how frustrating it must be for the player, mm. whether he's got these you know mental issues about his fitness or not. You know, it must be hard for him. And he's not someone who mopes because we we always get this impression that he's someone who's quite surly on the bench, this, that, and the other. But when he's on the bench, when he comes on, I think there's very few Liverpool players who've scored more goals off the bench, and he's, he's also created goals. Yeah, I mean, he, he, even like Southampton away. And he'll, the, other, the other week where he climbed yeah, 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 exactly. Eight chances. Yeah, and he, he, you never see anything in how he performs that suggests that he's. We've the only time we, we've ever suggested, you know, he's unhappy about situations where he hasn't started is those. He's not great at at, at hiding facial expressions, shall we say, on the touchline. Like when Origi got brought on ahead of yeah. him. Yeah, and, and, you can't and, blame him and, for and that, can no, you? No, 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 this is honest. And this is why, you know, Klopp sometimes, you, you know, he talks about you know, why 
you know, I'd be worried if a player was happy to be on the bench, and, and that may be cliche, but it's also a bit truth in that. And I think there's a massive eight days now for Sturridge in his season, potentially in his Liverpool career. If you look at it, we know that you know, fans, to a certain extent, more importantly, we've got the sense that the manager's been a bit frustrated that he's not there when he's needed him uh, for what hasn't been a significant injury, we don't think, uh, albeit one that kept him out for you know, a couple of weeks. But we now, Liverpool, have got this eight-day break until Stoke on the 27th, which... You know, as I think Klopp described, it's absolutely fine last week. You know, that's a, that's a big break. But you look at the games that come after that, then you've got um, City four days later and then Sunderland two days after that. Now, um, if Sturridge would be, you would think with eight days, training behind him would be an option to start um, against Stoke. But if he, if he didn't want to do that, you potentially he wouldn't do it against Man City. But you'd certainly think Stoke, he would... He'd already be penciled in to be start or Stoke Sunderland. He'd have, he'd have if you'd have penciled him in to start against Sunderland. I would have thought absolutely certainly. What happens in the two games prior to that would be very much down to what he's able to show on the training pitch. I think, and this is a we know how much work Klopp can get into the team in that sort of an eight-day break, albeit it's crimbo. But you know, I suspect. Um, you know, Liverpool players are having their night out tonight, aren't they? I think once that's out of the way, there'll be a real focus on you know big three games to come. Just two more final points. The first one, we all know what the highlight of the game was last night, really. It's Emery Chance pass. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly caught it. <laughs> Would you like to comment on that? I don't know. I can only suggest they must have hit a big divot. Christian. <laughs> <laughs> he'd gone off by then. He'd gone off he'd by gone then. Off, he'd gone off. And the, the final thing. He's aiming for Divock, maybe. No, no. The, final, the final thing. Sorry. Got, no, got no, no, wasn't it? Wasn't it Divock who put him out in training? The channel. Oh yeah, Clash yeah. Knees. Yeah. Clash yeah. Knees. Yeah. Maybe yeah. was that. Yeah. That might ruffle conspiracy. Yep. And final point then is a couple of weeks ago, maybe two months ago now. We we sat here and we discussed Liverpool's record of fixtures over the coming. Eight weeks, I think Andy knows what's coming. Uh, and Andy, you said that come Boxing Day, Liverpool will be five points clear at the top of the league. Uh, now, I would like to say we have already addressed this, that that was perhaps a little bit misleading. Andy, you've also said that you thought you were including the Boxing Day games, which would still only leave them two points. I think I, think I said Liverpool could be five points clear at Christmas, given the fixtures. And, so cool. And to, well, no, they couldn't, Christian, because they couldn't. Um, and the fixtures were such that, you know... It's OK, Andy. I won't ask you to, but to, I think to keep thinking. There, there, there is a point of... My calculation wasn't working on Chelsea, Chelsea winning say, 11 straight games. Chelsea have won 11 straight games. But yeah. going into Christmas, Liverpool are still very much in there in second place. You know, six points... It is six points, isn't it? Yep. Six points behind. Um <laughs> If you were so a Chelsea Andy. fan last night, if you were a Chelsea fan you last been night, gutted. you'd have been really, yeah. you're, you're six points clear, but you're thinking, um, you know, another two points dropped here for Liverpool. You know, we're going to almost cruise home in this title race. But Liverpool winning six points, we know they've got to come to Anfield next month, is it? Yes, it is. So we know that's not very far away. And there's a, there's a, there's a stat that's well known to every man who likes a bet on football that if you haven't beat a team on your own ground you very much struggle to beat them away and um, uh, 
Liverpool, as we know, went to Stamford Bridge and won. You'd have to have them as favourites to beat Chelsea on our ground. And Chelsea aren't... the People are talking about them, they're winning those games by a goal, which is brilliant. And that, that, that is important. But the, they're not going out there and, and looking very much better than that many teams, I don't think. Um, loads of people disagree with me. Loads of people think they look sort of almost like machine-like churning these wins out at the moment. Fantastic record, by the way, to win 11 straight Premier League games is incredible. Well, Liverpool did it in 2013 yeah. 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 Well, that's, so, that's the hope for Liverpool, that it doesn't actually equal it. Liverpool are the only team in the top 10 of any team that's won 10 or more successive games not to win the league. For them to go times. 11 straight and still be only six clear. Well, that's, that was my point. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good one, Ian. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it took me know. to December the 20th to find one this <laughs> year. Yeah. It's almost it's time to deliver that for yeah, you. Yeah, he did, yeah. It's true. It's going to be interesting, the mentality. And, you know, Antonio Conte will, no doubt, he looks like a good man manager. He runs around with his, his wig on and, you know, sort of... Hair implants. Hair implants, wig. Um, as, as, you know, as I think Jürgen's alluded to, he's got his he, own, he, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I wish I had one. Um, but... It's not about you, Christian. <laughs> I'd just be interested to see how it affects Chelsea, knowing that. Liverpool are still, and to us, you know, to us, City as well, how they've gone on this fantastic run, and yeah, they're still very much in a title race. Final word then for you, James. If you could sum up your emotions at the final whistle <laughs> from yesterday in just one word, and not a noise, like, not a noise, not a noise, because I know what the noise would be. Uh, just one word that isn't a swear word and isn't just yes. Uh, ecstasy. Be one word, I think. Uh, I, I initially reached for the wrong side and squeezed Greg O'Keefe's knee. Greg O'Keefe being our Everton reporter, yeah, he probably wouldn't have taken kindly to that. Neil at any Jones time. got a he got a, a belated squeeze. Um, is that why he's off today? <laughs> yeah, failed a fitness. <laughs> <He's gone laughs> dodgy, um, but no, it's been a you know that it, it was it was the perfect way to go into Christmas, and it, it certainly you know has given renewed hope to to Liverpool's title push. You know, I, I agree with Andy that. You know, Chelsea, you know, it is a great achievement to win eleven in a row, but you know, I don't think they've done it in any particular style that makes you think that they're this unstoppable force at the top end of the table. I think it wasn't that long ago that people were talking about, you know, Man City's start to the season and how they were unstoppable and you know, it's 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 a it's, there's a hell of a long way to go and Liverpool have put themselves right in the mix and you know, I think especially the way they've won the last two games bodes really well because, you know, I I think it's we saw what happened under Brendan Rodgers? It's difficult to to win a league title when when it, when you when you, you're conceding so many goals at the other end and you're playing this at times reckless brand of attacking football. And I think and they have reined it in slightly the last couple of games. Have defended a lot better uh, and ground out results. And you know Chelsea Chelsea know themselves the importance of being able to do that if you're going to last the pace in a title race. I think the headline from that little speech there is ecstatic Pierce slams Chelsea while being unable to tell the difference between left and right. <laughs> uh, and that'll do us. Join us later this week where we look ahead to the Stoke game, which is on December the 27th. Cheerio.